This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. You know, you watch an old Star Trek or Jetsons or something, they'd be jealous of what we've got right now. Hi, and welcome to Ian Weekly, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking, and I am so stoked to have you guys with me today. As we get deeper into August, college students start heading back to class, high school kids try to test their limits and stretch their summer evenings as far as they can. And I like to take this time of year to reflect on how things are going with us. It's kind of a midway point for everything. You know, here at Ian Weekly, we're getting ready to drop our 75th show. And that's that's kind of exciting right there in its own right. And we're really working hard to bring to you the things that you want to hear, guests that you want to have, and, you know, just pertinent publications and books and authors uh, that are out there. And I'm really excited and, and happy that we're producing that this great show. And we also have the EM Student Show. And with this one, it's really geared toward the student. It's geared toward really giving some additional information that maybe you might not get in class. That type of advice that can come through, such as like how to find jobs, uh, you know, going through the process uh, like that. And that's kind of what the idea here is. But there's more to that. And I'm going to reach out to you today. And I'm asking you guys, for a favor. Can you guys take a look at that show for me and reach back out to me and let me know what you think that we can do better for the student. I really want to make this community grow and be great for each other. And I really want to make EM Student a place for students to go and learn more, not just about the book stuff, uh, okay. I just think also about what we're doing as, as emergency managers on a day-to-day basis and, and can kind of get into the nitty-gritty of things. So take a look at it. Take a listen and send me your feedback on the show and and what you guys think. I really do appreciate it. This is our community. This is your community. And I want you all to have a piece of this show um, as well. Your opinions do count. So, you know, be open and honest. And I'd love to have that advice. That means a lot to me. Now, let's get into the interview with Titan HST. Today is a kind of a special day. We're bringing back one of our original guests in episode three when we're talking to Titan HST regarding mass communications. And just for pure full disclosure, Titan is a sponsor of EM Weekly. However, this is not a sponsored episode. So Vic is here with me today, the CEO of Titan HST, just to talk about some of the new features that they have on their their app and then just some of the success stories with with mass communications in general and, and how the industry is really moving forward. So Vic, welcome back to EM Weekly. Thank you for having me back. And it's been a, it's been a long time. It's uh, great to see you. Yes, yes. Always good to be on. So so Vic, let's first start with the with the Titan app. I think it's we've talked about it. It's obviously one of the the apps that we endorse, I suppose, with the with your endorsement of us. What are some of the new features that have come on the app since the last time we spoke? You know, we really always want to do whatever we can to connect people better with other people. And to that effect, some of the the points that we found that in an emergency are always kind of struggle points, pain points, if you will, are communication issues. Often 
a lot of people talk in different languages. So one of the new features we added has been real-time translation. And with that, we're able to bridge language barriers immediately. So if you're writing in English, someone else can get it in Spanish versus Chinese versus French, whatever language that may be. And that's something that we found has been really powerful. A few of the other tools that we've also enabled, again, to connect people who need help with people who have help or can help is mesh networking. And with mesh networking, we're able to connect people even when cell towers and Wi-Fi is down. We're able to connect people directly with each other. So those are a couple of the biggest things that we've deployed recently since we've last spoken. So, you know, I, you know I've been following you guys around, obviously, and, and then last uh, or two weeks ago from this recording, we were at the uh, Safe Schools Conference and, and you guys yes. are one of the sponsors over there. It's a really good show. And a lot of people had a lot of interest in some of the cooler features that were on there, kind of like the, the ability to see the Probably the augmented reality, right? <laughs> augmented reality. Yeah, <laughs> augmented reality is always a, a crowd pleaser. You know, it, it does great when you're showing it off in demos, but it's one of those things that's really, really practical in the real world. See, with augmented reality, one of the problems that we tried to solve is that in a lot of times in emergencies, it may be dark, you might have smoke or fire, the building may have collapsed, or with all these hurricanes, you know, you've got flooded buildings, subways underground, and the problem is you can't see through walls, right? I mean, Superman probably can, but but we can't. So we thought, why not enable a way for people to literally see through smoke, fire, flood, whatever it is. And so with the augmented reality, you're able to flip up the phone like a camera and literally see through the walls where the people are hiding, you know, during an active shooter situation or where they need help in a fire, etc., things like that. So one of the cool things that about the app is it's a little bit different than your traditional mass communication. And the other day I was actually involved with a with an exercise using traditional mass communications notification system. And what I learned from there was people, especially millennials, because this was with a college, they don't answer their phone. <laughs> and so like using a voice message is probably useless now. What does your app do different than say the traditional phone call out. Yeah, who wants to talk on the phone anymore these days, right? <laughs> Everything's a tweet or a poke or something, right? right, right? right, right, right. So, um, you know, that, that's one of the cool things about the system, right? So, again, you can use the phone if you want, but via other methods of communication like text and picture and all that, we're able to receive communications and also send communications instantly. And our average throughput and response time averages about a half second to 1.3 seconds. Right. And that's the important of that, right? If you think about it, if you're calling someone, how many rings does it take till they pick up? The answer with a millennial, I guess, is never, right? <laughs> it's like that old, do you remember that old uh, cartoon where how many licks does it take to get to the middle of the Tootsie Pop or whatever with the owl? Yeah. Well, the answer with the millennials is they never answer the phone. And with, with texting and all those things, you can literally have the information disseminated, reviewed, and responded to before someone even picks up the phone. And that's assuming that there was ever any intention to actually pick up the phone. Right, right, right. And so that goes back to the idea of the two-way communications. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. And that's the problem with those phone calls, right? In a, in a mass emergency, if you send out a, like a robocall or something like mm -hmm. that, which we enable if you want to do that, you can do that. But the thing is, if you're sending that out to 1,000, 5,000, 40,000, 60,000 at a stadium, for example, or a right. school or a business, okay, so you sent that out. It's physically impossible to listen to 60,000 people talking to you back on that line. Right. But with two-way communication via text, picture, and all that, well, 
people can send comments back on the mass broadcast you sent. And then we aggregate those all in one place so you can scan through all that data coming back in, see what the common themes are, and then send more communication to kind of cover the situation for everyone. One of the issues that UCLA had when they had their shooting there, I mean, it wasn't a mass shooting, or it wasn't even an active shooter technically. I mean, the guy comes in, he was hunting for one particular guy. Yeah. He was My brother was there during that time. Wow. Yeah. Well, here you would know firsthand. So one of the issues that they had when they sent their mass communications out, well, number one is messaging. They weren't, they came out of order. So message yes. three for some people came in before message one. Yeah. And then they weren't sure when the delivery occurred yeah. on there. And that's one of the issues that they had over there. What can something like Titan HST do to, to assure that number one, the messages are going out at the same level and yeah. the people are getting them? There's so many problems you have to solve at the same time in a situation like that. I'll tell you, my brother learned of the shooting from a nurse who happened to be on Twitter at the time. They didn't even receive the mass communication. Wow. And so the first question is, can you get that information out quickly? Do you have a server infrastructure that's capable of doing that? Because if you don't, then you end up getting what you mentioned. You get messages that are coming out of order and that's assuming you're receiving every message. Right. And that's assuming you even receive it in a timely fashion. A lot of sites that we work with, other products, they're getting the communications hours or days later. Well, at that point, you might as well turn on CBS News or hear about it on the next podcast, right? right. I mean, you don't really need a notification. So what we try to do in these situations is we have all this patented technology to make sure that the emergency communications are not only coming through timely, but also coming in the correct order. You can see where they're going out. You can see if there's any network failures. And that's why in a lot of these emergencies, it's not just the server infrastructure that's important, but the networks themselves get overloaded. And that's why one of the things we notice is, I mean, if you're in like downtown LA or if you're at a football stadium, it doesn't have to be an emergency. The network is just overloaded all the time. And so if you're like that, and then you add an emergency and or a power outage with a wildfire or a weather event or whatever, then you're completely screwed. And that's why you then fall back to things like the mesh networking we've deployed. And that way the devices can talk directly to each other. So you don't, because that's the problem, right? Getting the communication out there in a way that people can digest and do something with. Because by the time the active shooter situation is resolved by law enforcement, if you look at the FBI statistics, two thirds of the incidents end before police arrive. Right, right. So it's the person in the front office or the person standing next to you or, or wherever who's notifying you to run, hide, fight that's going to save your life. And that's really the kind of unfortunate reality of these situations in many cases. That's the cool thing too about the app. It's not a centralized a device to where somebody at dispatch or somebody can, anybody can push the button and, and make it happen. Exactly. And that's what we do. We really believe in decentralized response. 911 is incredibly important in the emergency response space. At the same time, if you're calling 911, the people next to you don't know what's going on and neither are they notified by anyone. With this system, anyone can send an emergency alert and keep in mind in many instances, you may not be in a position where you want to speak out loud, right? If there's a shooter next to you, you don't want to be on the phone, but you can very easily quietly click on a button and send a request for help. And then the administrators, 911 dispatchers, security, whoever may be authorized for that site can send out notifications or communicate with you, tell other people, even safety status check-ins. You can plot out where everyone is on your site, see through walls and see where to breach, send help or whatever the incident may be. 
Now, some of the concerns people always bring up when we t- start talking about the the app and stuff like this, and, and just to, again, for full disclosure, when I was at a different university, we actually used the app, and this is how we first met Vic. Some of the concerns that they had was like, oh, you know, uh, what if people come on campus and they don't have the app, or does do you have to have the app to get the information out? And, and the, obviously, the answer is no. But now, also, with the integration of iPods, anybody can get this message? Yeah, so there's so many things you can do with this technology, and one of the cool things that you can do with iPods technology is a traditional system sends out notifications to people who are in the system. Mm -hmm. With iPods, authorized users such as law enforcement can send out a notification using a system like Titan where you're sending out to anyone and everyone who's connected to the cell towers in a particular area. And that way it's completely agnostic to whether or not you're part of the organization. It's acknowledging the fact that people are mobile these days. And if you're at that football stadium at that school to watch the game, well, you might be a neighbor, you might be a friend, you're probably not in the organization, but you're just as interested as everyone else to right, know if right, there's a right. shooting going on. That's really important to share information with your with your partners as well, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it really helps out with like, especially with uh, with schools. And you know, funny story. This was years ago that I was talking to this principal of this one elementary school that was a private school, but it was next to a a public. A oh, we school. see that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And he said the only reason why he knew something was going on over there is because normally the kids were out during recess and no one was outside. Yeah. And so he actually had to call over to find out that they were on a lockdown over there. So then he locked his school down and it was adjacent. I mean, yeah. they could see each other's backyards. We, we hear stories like this all the time. One, one of the sites we were talking to and working with, they actually found out that the site across the street was on lockdown when the lockdown was effective and the person they were locking out was locked out and ran onto their site. <laughs> <laughs> so not exactly the notification you want to receive, right? right An right. in-person uh, telegram view. Right. Yeah, so this so, is the bad guy, by the way, he's in your backyard. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's what happens sometimes. (laughs) So if somebody's looking for a mass communications and I know, I know, you know, obviously we're going to, you know, we want people to come to you, right? Sure. Sure. But people that are looking for mass communications, what are some of the questions that they should ask when they're looking for a provider? You know, that's a good question because at the end of the day, obviously we're a business and and we want to move our product. But the, the question is the rest of that story when we return from our break. Emergency managers need exercise in order to test preparedness and efficiency during an emergency situation. TTX Vault provides pre-assembled, pre-filled out tabletops, drills, and functionals so you can exercise more effectively and at a reduced cost. With TTX Vault, customers receive either a disk or flash drive pre-uploaded with the exercise of their choice. Print out the documents, review, fill in the information, and you are ready to execute the exercise. Your first step to preparedness is going to ttxvault.com. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. Welcome back from that quick break, and thank you so much for listening to the sponsors, because without them, we couldn't do what we're doing here at Ian Weekly, and hit them up, check them out, say hi, tell them that uh, we sent you. 
people that are looking for mass communications, what are some of the questions that they should ask when they're looking for a provider? That, you know, that's a good question because at the end of the day, obviously we're a business and, and we want to move our product. But the, the question is, there are certain factors you need to look at and there may be another product that's a better fit, right? So the question is, these are the fundamental things you have to look at. First of all, and foremost, is the system capable of sending out communications quickly? Because if it's not fast, it doesn't matter what it's doing. It's not going to be timely. The second is, is it two-way and is there the ability to see location data. Because if you're not able to communicate back and forth and see where things are coming from, again, you're losing time and seconds matter. Other things that are really important as well include the security of the system. Is the data safe? You want to keep your site safe, but also you're loading a lot of sensitive data in there. <laughs> what are they doing to keep this safe? Is the server infrastructure redundant? You know, one of the things that we really believe in is having server infrastructure that's in multiple regions because heaven forbid you have an emergency, that's what the system is designed for, right? As an emergency communication system. Right. So if you've got a fire and people are sending out a notification, you don't want to tell them, oh, I'm sorry, the wildfire took out our server system too, <laughs> right? right? right. <laughs> it doesn't really help you. And so that's why you've got to have all these redundant server infrastructures. And then if the servers, you know, for whatever reason are totally offline or inaccessible, then have things like mesh networking. So you basically, every question you look at, everything you ask yourself is how quickly can the information get out there and how many barriers can you overcome? Whether it's a language barrier, can you then translate? Can you see through walls? If not, how are you finding people? These are the things you've got to look at because at the end of the day, anything that's taking more than a few seconds to communicate is time lost, is lives lost, and you can't afford that. So, I mean, I know we focus on active shooter a lot when we talk about mass communications, but realistically, you know, that's going to be a very, very slim time oh, absolutely. that you're going to use it, right? Absolutely. But like there are back east, you know, especially the... the no. And with hurricanes coming, yes. you know, information like that, or tornadoes going through, just like which happened just recently where a tornado came uh, just ripping through in Idaho, I think it was, yeah, yeah. you know, things like this. This is communication where you can find people that are lost, right? Absolutely. I mean, look, the world's getting weirder. You know, one day you're seeing Sharknado on TV, the next day, I mean, that might be a reality, right? right I mean, the world's right. getting weird. And so... The thing is, it's the active shooter situation, I believe, that motivates most sites to do something. But you're absolutely right in that the day-to-day -day threat, the most common day-to-day -day threats are weather-related incidents and medical-related incidents. In fact, our own internal statistics show that 40% of emergency communication has to do with a medically-related incident, whether it's a heart attack, stroke, broken bone, food allergy, diabetic shock, the list goes on and on. Similarly, there's a very large chunk that is weather-related. And people think, oh, you know, it rains, okay, or it's a little warm, fair enough. But it's a lot of the time, it's the secondary effect. When it rains, it floods. Now what do you do? When it's hot, the power goes out. What do you do? When it's snowing, roads are blocked. What do you do? When you've got hurricanes, okay, you've got power outages, roads are blocked, people are missing, and everything from re-operationalizing your EOC and being able to find where your people are, are they safe, can they respond, to then where are the residents or the students or the employees? It's about mobilizing. And that's the thing. In these emergencies, there are so many incidents that occur on a day-to-day -day basis that require help. And we hear stories day in, day out, unfortunately, of where people need help. And without a system that allows that, I mean, we, we had a site that told us before they had Titan, an employee broke their ankle. It was lunchtime. No one was around. They had to crawl down a flight of stairs to get help. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. Right, right, right. It is amazing. I mean, the, the things that we carry in our pocket, you know, are so awesome. They're, they're computers. I, I think the misnomer as a, as a phone. Yeah. They really are more than that. I you mean, know, you watch an old Star Trek or Jetsons or something, they'd be jealous of what we've got right now. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it was, there was a, a meme I read one day and it was like, it's like, ah, you know, uh, my math teacher said, you're never going to have a calculator everywhere you go. And it's like, ah, you know, got you on I that got one. You. <laughs> yeah. I mean, heck, you don't even have to type in numbers anymore, right? You right. just ask Siri to tell you what to do. So that's it's so <laughs> true. That's so true. You know, and, and just the cool part about technology is like my, I have a five-year-old daughter okay, and, and she's awesome. And she has her iPad and it's her iPad. It's really ours, but that's what she calls yeah. it, right? And on there, she has, we have apps that are for her. They're kid-friendly apps. So sure, we have sure. Like, and then we have the YouTube Kids, which she calls the envelope, because if you look at it, it looks like sure. an envelope. And she's able to log on, click on the on the, on the envelope, if you will, right? On yes. YouTube Kids. And then just by using voice, she can find her favorite shows on there. Oh, absolutely. You know? And I mean, there was a story just the other day about a really young child. I think it was like three or four years old. And I don't remember if it was the mother or the father was having a heart attack or a stroke. I think it was a stroke. Mm. And the kid didn't know how to do anything other than didn't know how to dial 911. They knew how to FaceTime. They FaceTimed the spouse at work and the spouse saw that I think it was the husband who's having a stroke and they called 911. This is the power of technology. Yeah. My daughter realistically has been using it for about that since that age, you know, when she could really yeah. start using things, but it's so intuitive for the kids. And, and like, I, I bet you just with a few minutes of training that I could, you know, probably teach her how to get onto it, log onto it and use oh, it. Absolutely. You know, there's that really funny video. I don't know if you've seen online where it's a kid and they put a magazine in front of this baby. I mean, probably nine months old, 10 months old. And the baby is clicking and flicking the magazine and is frustrated that it's not interacting like an iPad. <laughs> they don't actually know what a paper magazine is. That's crazy. They're expecting an iPad. Yeah. And that's the reality, you know? Yeah. You know, you're right because I mean, even so much so that, you know, we have a regular TV yeah. and when my, when my daughter got old enough to, to really do stuff, she would go over the TV and try to Oh, just flick the screen, right? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day, not quite yet, but maybe the next TV. Right, right. Oh, man, that's amazing. But that's how how interesting that technology is. And I I see that, you know, realistically with with Titan, you guys really are a technology company more than an app company. Exactly. You know, if you take a look at things, it's the, I don't know how to state this other than the world has changed. And I don't know if there's more emergencies or we're more aware of them or we expect better response. But the problem is there's things going down around us every day, right? Mm. And so you need a modern solution to the modern threat. And that's a tech company, right? I mean, a security guard, you're not going to have a security guard on every corner and you can dial 911. But even when you're dialing 911, you look at a lot of these dispatch centers, they've got two or three people in there in that dispatch center. How many calls do you think it takes to overload that? Two or three, oh, right, right, you know? Right, yeah. And so you need a system that's going to be able to kind of disseminate information, create a response and do it in a way that can address a lot of people quickly and immediately. If you look back, you know, maybe a couple of decades ago, there were no cell phones. If you had no cell phones, not everyone could call 911. Right, right. So there's a fundamental change in how people interact. And accordingly, you need an emergency response that acknowledges that and provides for that situation. You know, we're sitting here in, in Vic's office and we're overlooking Fashion Island. And I remember, I don't know how long ago, it was maybe six years ago now, when a guy shot some, fu- some right? My brother and my dad were in the parking lot in Macy's and they were looking for a parking. I think it was around Christmas time. Yeah, perhaps. it was around Christmas time. And uh, my mom, I think, saw it on the news and we called my brother and my dad and we said, hey, you know, there's there's a shooter at Fashion Island. They said, well, we're in the parking lot. We're looking. They were in the parking lot that the guy was shooting the gun. And so imagine if a site like Fashion Island had something like this, right. they could send out a notification to everyone who's there, keep them safe. Not only are you minimizing liability exposure for the site, but more importantly, you're saving lives. 
Right, right. People exactly. are walking into a shooting. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, that guy, as a shooting goes, was pretty benign. He shot up straight up in the air. Sure. I think he was more trying to make a statement than anything else. However, you're right. I mean, a situation like that where you're in the same parking lot where the guy is and you're not aware. And yeah. and most people go, oh, you're going to be aware of shootings. But I think all the noises yeah. that are out there, construction noises, you know. The windows uh, are up, the windows radio's on, you're talking. I mean, you're not you're not paying attention. No. I mean, you, you, how many people get into accidents in the parking lot? You're not paying attention to the person in front of you backing up. Right. Let alone someone who's shooting, you know, one or two aisles down the road. Right. And, you know, I mean, think about this. You put your radio on, your lights, your, um, and your windows are up. Yeah. You, you don't even hear the sirens of, of the police car or fire truck coming down the road half the time. And so. then it gets even worse when you're singing to the radio, right? I mean, right. Having entire, a good time. Yeah. Going, it's Christmas time. <laughs> exactly. Christmas All those Christmas carols, carols right? right? <laughs> you know, getting in there, you're looking, getting some shopping done. Exactly. You know, exactly. you're not listening to the things on the outside. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. So it's amazing. So yeah. So the technology such as Titan HST with, with the app and somebody in that parking lot to be able to push that button and saying that there's an active shooter or something going on. Absolutely. For it to be able to spread across the entire. You could, you could know notify the staff or security immediately. They know where it's coming from. They've got eyes and ears with video streaming and then they can respond and tell other people to get out of the way or shelter in place, run, hide, fight, whatever it is. Okay. So this begs the question. Sure. What do we do here to stop the hoax? or the person by mistakenly pushing the button? Yeah, you know, th- that's a good question that gets asked from time to time. So here's the deal. If you're dialing 911, then uh, you've got to dial, th- you got to click on three different things, right? Some people even get burner phones and then they can dial 911 and do whatever. The thing with Titan HST is it's confidential, but it's not anonymous. You have to register. So, you know, it'd be like ding dong ditching someone and then leaving your calling card on the front door. It's not a great idea. And because it's confidential, but not anonymous and it requires registration with the phone number and all that, we know who you are. So people don't prank it because if you pranked it, we know who you are. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good solution to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Has it happened? No, fortunately, we've never had that. But as I say that, I'm looking for some wood to knock on and we're at a glass table. So uh, <laughs> I'll be holding you responsible for any hoaxes that uh, emanate after this. Uh. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, so Vic, if somebody is really interested in getting a hold of, of what Titan HST is and getting maybe a demo or something, how can they find you guys? So we tell them to visit us online at www.tightn.com. Titan, T-I-T-A-N, hst.com. You can see all the augmented reality, the real-time translation, mesh networking. And, you know, we do these free demos. At the end of the day, it's about saving lives. It's about people and the power of people. And we'd love to help as many people as we can because this day and age, you never know when you're going to need it. Right. And also this information is always on uh, there uh, on EM Weekly. It's one of our, like I said, one of our sponsors and their information is on our website as well. So you can always find us, you can always find them through WEMT.com. And also on the show notes. So, Vic, before I let you go, and I know you're super busy, I'll let you go here. If somebody, what would be the thing that you want the emergency manager to walk away with today? I would tell the emergency manager that you probably more than anyone else know that you never know when something's going to go down and you need to have the most robust and reliable communication tool possible because when seconds count, seconds count. And if you miss them, lives are lost. That's what I would tell them. Find exactly what you need to save lives and make it happen. Don't wait. Because what we see so many times is uh, we've had sites where we've deployed one, actually the first site we deployed to many years ago, we saved our first life 20 minutes after deployment. If we had just, if that had happened to be a week later, the person would have died. Don't wait, find something, do something, act now. Okay. Toughest question of the day. 
What book or books would you recommend to somebody who is in emergency management, whether it be EM related or leadership related? You know, there's a lot of good books out there. I would say to find something that relates directly to uh, communication. I think the most important tool these days is to be able to communicate directly and effectively. And, you know, you can have the most important message in the world, but if you're not able to communicate it well, then you struggle. On the flip side, you can have the dumbest message in the world. And if you're able to communicate it well, you can have a whole bunch of followers. So I would say be very well versed. Anything and everything you can get your hands on regarding communication do that. And that that's a skill that pays in spades. All right, Vic. Well, you have a wonderful rest of your day and thank you so much for uh, taking time with us. Thank you for having us back on. All right.